Welcome to The Bandit Show presented by The Hoops Audit. I'm your host, McCoy Lum, and today we're super excited to have former Jordan Brand Classic International MVP, SEC Sixth Man of the Year, Canadian National Team member, and current Vancouver Bandits guard, Dwayne Notice. Welcome to the show, my man. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, we're super excited to have you on today. I'm, I've followed you for a long time since since your, uh, early, like your late high school and early college days. So I'm, I'm stoked to talk hoops with you guys. How have you liked being out in Vancouver for the first time? Uh, at first it was kind of weird because even though we came here for training camp right after that, the yeah. way their schedule was operating, it was like we were on the road for the first like two weeks at that. Yeah. So I kind of felt cheated out of my Vancouver and BC experience because again, training camp, you got to lock in, it's two a days. You got to make sure you're eating right, sleeping right. You yeah. know, I'm coming straight off my other season. So I'm just, yeah. I'm tired, but at the same time, I'm trying to get acclimated to my new teammates. And then, yeah, the first two weeks of the season, we were, if I'm not mistaken, I believe we were started in Winnipeg, then we went to Saskatchewan, yeah. and we went somewhere else, something like that. But uh, we've finally been here for a little bit longer, and now I've been able to kind of go and do some things, see some beaches, kind of uh, get, around, get around in the community, and I'm loving it, man. I love the West Coast. The weather's amazing. The people are nice and friendly. Yeah. I love the area of Langley. Um, I just love going to the Gold's Gym. I love going to the LEC. It's been a cool time. I still have to experience some more hiking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Alouette Lake the other day, and that yeah. was amazing. So. So, nice. Yeah, man. Uh, Vancouver in the summertime is real nice if you love that that going out and doing some of that outdoor rack hikes, beaches, all that. So no, I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're enjoying it. Um, yeah. So yeah. So for this show, we just want uh, bandits fans to really have a chance to get to know your story as a Hooper, as well as just chop it up with you about basketball, because you guys as, as pros have perspective that only guys that have played at your level will have. So I'm really excited to give that opportunity for people to listen to that. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, so I just want to start before we get into your journey. I wanted to just start about talking about the bandits. So you guys have obviously had an up and down season. Um, you know, lots of guys coming in and out of the lineup, uh, changes with the roster. But over the last few games here, you've won the last three of the last four, and you guys have now this unique situation where you get an automatic buy to the final four. And so I just want to know, heading into the playoffs, what's the vibe of the team and the feeling in the locker room right now? Yeah, I think the vibe is very optimistic. And it's crazy because people might not believe from the outside looking in, but we've always had the same belief when, with each other, within each other. We're brothers, you know, being led by Coach Kyle Julius. We understood what the ultimate goal was. And like you said, ultimately us being the host city for championship weekend, we knew that we had that automatic buying to semis. Yeah. And, but at the same time, we try to preach not to get too high and not to get too low. We just kind of want it to be even keel. And I think, like you mentioned, we've been peaking at the right time. We're starting to win games, starting to click. And it's just been tough because everybody's coming from previous situations. We had different philosophies. Didn't have that much practice time. Then on top of that, we had like a revolving door of players coming in. You know, DJ leaving after a couple of games. Yeah. We new players coming in had to deal with some injuries so you know it's a summer league you know you only get three months to kind of gel with the people you were here with and i think that everything's happening for a reason and i think that the vibe going into the playoff championship weekend especially having it be in front of our home crowd and our people with that lit atmosphere at the lec i think that i know that for a fact that you know me and my guys we're going to be ready yeah that's what i like to hear and how how's it i know you have a prior relationship um with coach julius going back to your your days in Ontario. So can you talk about what it's been like uh, playing for him this season? Yeah, like you mentioned, a previous relationship. I've actually never really played for him before. Yeah. Technically, I kind of did. We He had this A-game program that was amazing. That was yeah. 
really big within the community for the youth in terms of training uh, kids, skills development, all that type of stuff. And eventually he even put together a little select team and we ended up playing some of the Uplay schools, whether it was yep. York University or Queens University, et cetera. And that was kind of my first taste of being a player under his kind of tutelage after being with him for summers, countless summers, yeah. um, just working out as a kid. But um, yeah, I have the opportunity to be an adult and be this at this stage of my career and play for him has been cool because kind of like we always had that that similar vibe. I know what he expects and I'm a dog. He's a dog. And yeah. just expect us to play, you know, with that effort every night. You know, I might not be making my shots. I might not be doing this, but at the end of the day, he's going to know I'm going to give my effort 110 percent every single time, every single play, every single possession, yeah. every time I'm on the floor. So we kind of have that relationship and it's been cool to kind of funnel that back and forth with that energy and just trying to do the right way on a consistent basis by the same time not being afraid of anything um and playing fearless basketball yeah no it's it's like you touched on uh like yeah he he preaches being a dog and i i remember seeing one of his videos he said something to, to the extent of like anyone can be a dog when things are going well but how do you respond when stuff's hitting the fan right and you know watching you guys this year like i i totally i can totally see sort of that identity that he that he's instilled into you guys because even when sort of things weren't going as planned you guys have been like you know lo like bottom the standings standings for portions of the year like watching you guys you can still see like the effort and compete has never been really in question right it's more so the like the more technical things so it's really cool that you talk about that being a dog because you can totally see that in how you guys play whether it's going good good or not so good right yeah i think for the like for the most part, if, if you were to ask me in my personal view, I think that just sometimes guys, we didn't have everybody on the same page. Right. Whether offense or defense, it would be three out of five guys, four out of five guys, two out of five guys. So like you mentioned, we showed in spurts and in glimpses mm -hmm. that what we're capable of, what, we're, what our potential is when you, you know, obviously the talent that's on paper to see it match up onto the floor. You saw, I don't know how many times we came back from 20 yeah. plus point deficits just to bring it back close and target score. Yeah. And lose the game so it's not like you know every game we're getting blown out and anything like that yeah. it's just a matter of just i promise you if we had you know nine months or this was like yeah. a real a different factor but one thing that we all understood was this is not a you know it's not a sprint you know what i'm saying yeah. it's a marathon so you know while other teams are you know you know racking up their wins and peaking early we're just trying to continue to practice the right way and preach good habits and then you're gonna see you know the endurance in the long run to see if it holds yeah. up yeah, that's no, that's that's awesome to hear. And I we're definitely going to get back into sort of your season with the bandits. But before we do that, I just want to take some time to really get into your backstory and your coming up as a Hooper, especially in Canada here. So you were like raised in born in born and raised in Woodridge, Ontario. Um, and in my mind, following you, like following you from your college days and also your high school days, you were sort of a part of this original group of Canadian talent that in my mind really put Canada on the map. So like guys like you, Pangos, the Ennis brothers and like Wiggins and just a bunch of guys like that. So can you describe what it was like growing up in a basketball environment of the GTA where the talent level is, is so high everywhere you look? Yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. Like there's so much competition everywhere, whether you're going to Scarborough and you're playing against certain players, whether you're going to Pickering, whether you're going to the West and you're playing in Mississauga, whether you're in Toronto and you're playing the various teams there. So whether it was middle school or high school, I was always challenged because I had such great talent around me. And I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for guys like Corey Joseph and Tristan Thompson and Kevin Pangos and those guys who kind of laid out the blueprint 
and like the 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 direction for us to kind of take heat on and it was different growing up back then we didn't really have that many like the highlight culture i feel like is a big thing now but back then if you didn't have a mom who was willing to bring a tripod to <laughs> then you weren't gonna have all these highlights and stuff like that so i feel like the the way we competed was a little bit more just intense it's not always for show yeah um but yeah just being from toronto was cool because everywhere i went i got to play against great competition or with great competition mm -hmm. I know I played a part of a great bounce team that had like Xavier Rath and Mays, yeah. Tyler Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, my boy Troy Reed Knight, et cetera, et cetera on there. And that team was crazy. Just having the opportunity to go to America and prove some haters wrong. But like you said, I I, I kind of grew up basketball-wise in a crazy time where like I'm from Woodbridge, you mentioned it, where it's like a lot of hockey, uh, it's a lot of baseball, it's a lot of even soccer before yeah. it was basketball. So it was kind of challenging in that sense of trying to get offers and trying to get looks. That's why I had to play a lot of AU or yeah. I even had to go to prep school for my last post year of high school. But um, outside of that, I wouldn't change, you know, growing up in Toronto for the world, especially like having Vince Carter um, yeah. being one of the guys to kind of, you know, make basketball really tangible for me. Uh, when he was playing for the Raptors in the early 2000s. Yeah, and so a question I've always had is given that, like you said, the the talent out in Ontario is, is, is elite, right? So why, so you growing up in it and looking around, why do you think the majority of Canada's top basketball talent comes from Ontario? Is it something about you, the way you guys develop your game or the, the way you guys compete out there? Or why, like, why do you think that's the case? I think it's the competition factor in a sense where, like you said, it has that inner gritty city feel to it where a lot of guys kind of, and this is funny because we had this conversation in the locker room the other day, yeah. me, Diego, Nick Ward, a couple of the guys about what's the main difference between American basketball and Canadian basketball. And we talked about how in America, they kind of wear on their chest more, like they're way more like cocky if we're going to be yeah. honest. Yeah. About, play about their style they're more selfish it's about points about scoring whereas in Canada I feel like it's just like our personality we're nicer um so I feel like we're taking advantage of just because people don't think we're aggressive so honestly I just think one is a is a is a feeling and a sense of ignorance where it's like people don't think that there's good talent outside of Ontario but there really is and then and two I just think I don't know just being a part of like Ontario and in the inner city you kind of get that American vibe where a lot of guys just fighting and they just have that chip on their shoulder because they're just trying to make it to that next level no matter what neighborhood they're coming from they're representing like things that are bigger than them outside of basketball yeah. i think that always kind of plays into it so i don't know and then maybe probably it's the resources as well too like i don't really know i never really like been outside of ontario right. I've, I've been the national team but i only been to cam loops i never really went right. around so i didn't really i can't speak for other places but if i had to put my mind on it it would probably be also the resources it's probably just a little bit more resources back then uh, in Toronto or on, in the GTA, whereas now it's probably spread out even, even more, like even at the LEC right now, like right. just seeing a tournament that just happened this past weekend. Yeah. That was cool. I got to see all those kids there. I don't know if they were doing that like, you know, 15, 20 years ago or how popular Vassal was then, but I can definitely say now things are changing. Like, I didn't know who Diego Mafia was before I joined this team. <laughs> the team. I like, he go, who? Like, yeah, yeah. 21? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, you're going to have a great future. Like, you're going to be an amazing pro if this is how old you are and this is the kind of talent yeah. you possess. You're able to hang with guys like us. So they're out there. It's just a matter of people just being receptive to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 a really cool perspective that, yeah, that I think I'll feel a lot of people out, especially in Vancouver and the West Coast, but yeah, love to hear. So like you kind of mentioned make, having to make a name for yourself by going down to the States, right? Because I guess you didn't have the the NCAA looks that you might have wanted coming out of grade 12. So what was that like? Because I know you went down to prep school uh, in, in Connecticut, I believe. 
where you sort of had to improve your game and sort of get get more notoriety. So what was that process like being a 17 year old, 18 year old kid moving down to the States for the first time away from your family and having to sort of develop your game a little more? Yeah, I think it's like a two-part one because I was in high school. Like I said, I went to St. Mike's. I actually yep. went to high school with Malcolm Division. Yeah, Malcolm, yep. Whatever, we got to reconnect and, you know, we're brothers and we know each other for a long time. But when we went to that school, Malcolm and I, we actually just talked about this again, but it was only him and I that had, you know, the dreams of pursuing basketball post-secondary right. school. Everybody else on our team was, like, just happy to be on the team. So that's <laughs> just why, like, even, you know, why I had to leave to get offers yeah. because – we weren't having coaches cross the border, especially back then in 2009, 2010, 11, whatever, to cross the border, unless you were Andrew Wiggins and maybe, and a strong maybe, Kevin Pangles. Outside of that, uh, the, we all had to make our bones in the States, whether it was playing AAU, e, uh, EYBL, whether it was playing in other markets, going overseas, playing for Canada, the cadet team, whatever the case may be. So it was kind of tough. And, and like you said, I had to kind of do that because I, I want to get better offers, more offers, and just get that exposure. Yeah. And I was able to do that when I went to St. Thomas More, which was also a cool school um, in Connecticut. It was dope. It was in the sticks and the bushes. And yeah. but Dublin went there. It was awesome. I was able to kind of, like you said, um, and work on my game. That also helped me as well, too, because I'm coming from a hockey school mm -hmm. in St. Mike's where after school I want to like get some work in, but if Malcolm's not around, there's not a lot of guys that want to get some work in to being at St. Thomas more where it's just like more basketball predicated mm -hmm. and it's force around us so that I can't go do anything. It's like, I have to just get work on my game. Like yeah. I, there's nothing to do. I'm in dorms in the yeah. middle of nowhere. So yeah. I think it definitely helped me out. And then I also got to um, get some more looks and, and, and scholarships. So that was also yeah. a cool thing. And it's crazy because I actually wanted to go to prep school like in the 10th grade, but mm -hmm. my mom wasn't comfortable with me going to prep school. Yeah. Um, just being from a Jamaican family, not really understanding the ins and outs and the dynamics of basketball. Yeah. Why would I send you away in America to this type of environment in school for what? Like you could, you're at St. Mike's is a prestigious school in Toronto. Yeah. A lot of people go here, you can make connections. And she didn't really understand how it worked in basketball. So funny mm -hmm. enough, my brother, he ends up going to Mount Verde. He went to St. Mike's in the seventh yeah. grade. He ended up going to Mount Verde, yeah. like ninth or 10th grade. Like yeah. he, it's like I was a test dummy. Then after that, yeah. I was like, my brother got to go to prep school and play with RJ Barrett and, yeah. that was, and then get those offers. So it's kind of like just you live and you learn type of thing. But um, I wouldn't trade like playing at St. Mike's or in Toronto for the world because we had some fun battles against some like inner city schools that you just talked about that kind of sharpened yeah. my shoulder because it was just me and Malcolm against everybody yeah. else. Yeah. So, yeah, you sort of mentioned, yeah, the development aspect of it and you know, like, and so I'm reading up on you, you, you played varsity or a senior level ball since the ninth grade. Right. So really it sounds like you weren't being pushed necessarily the way you needed to be to get those high major offers that you were looking for. Right. So being down at prep school, it's in sort of having this basketball focused environment. What were some areas of your game that you identified that you needed to work on in order to make that jump that you wanted? Oh, for me, shooting for sure. Yeah. That, by far, because in high school, Again, like Nick was, we were just talking about this because Nick is like, "Are you going to dunk at all this season?" <laughs> like, bro, I used to dunk. I just, well, now I got after I got hurt. Yeah, and yeah, now, yeah. Like I got it's got to be the perfect scenario and situation. But Malcolm like came and defended me and was like, "Bro, do you used to dunk everything?" <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like when I went to St. Thomas More, I realized like the athleticism was more of an average thing. Everybody else was just as athletic as me, if not more. Mm -hmm. So I had to work on my shooting for sure. That's like the biggest thing. And it's crazy because again, if you ask anybody that played against me in high school, like me shooting wasn't a threat. Like I was right. an 
pick and roll. I was not let him drive to the basket. He's a good passer, great defender, and he's a great finisher at the rim, athletic, whatever. He's downhill. But and then it then I look at my university career and it's just like it's just like totally different styles of basketball. I think it's because when I went to St. Thomas I just worked on my shooting mechanics and repping my shot and getting to the point of like where I became a shooter. Like it's yeah. crazy. So I think that was probably the main uh thing that I worked on. Um and it made my IQ a little bit as well. Like I was able to sit down with Jerry Quinn, watch a lot of film, like see the game. And now I like to see plays before it happens or try to recognize defenses before they happen or recognize trends or certain little intricate parts of the game that I probably wasn't paying attention to before. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And so like so much learning happened in that one time during prep school. So I guess my question to you, being a guy that wasn't necessarily a shooter before and then turning yourself into more of a jump, like a spot shooter, catch and shooter after prep school. So what was sort of that? change in like along with sort of the form stuff and the reps was there also sort of a change in approach you had to take to the game to under to sort of to apply that that new style to your game of i'm going to be more of a catch and shooter you know rather than always looking to get downhill and get to the cup yeah for me i think it was just my like maturity at a young age to understand that like if something's not working at this level, then, you know, I don't know. It's, it's what I tell kids now whenever I'm doing camps and stuff. It's like not everybody can be James Harden. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can be LeBron. Not everybody can be John Morant. You got to have some P.J. Tuckers. You got to have some players that want to be 3 and D because those guys make a lot of money and they're successful in the NBA because not everybody can be a Greek freak. Not everybody has the talent or the height or the skills to do all that kind of stuff. So it's like it's funny because whenever I play on these teams, it's like we're all sacrificing something. Mm-hmm. Like I come from a team where I can average 30. Lex can come from it. Like we can all average 30, yeah. but it's like we all have to sacrifice for the greater good as professionals. Yeah. Um, so for me, I just learned that at a young age. It's like, okay, I'm now playing on Team Canada where I have this guy on this team. This guy is known for this. This guy's known for that. They don't need me to attack the basket and try and dunk on somebody. That's not even my best skill. Like if they need me to play defense so I can stay on the court, I can stop the next, the best player, then that's what I'm going to do at a high level. Then on top of that, you know, basketball is always about trends and changing. So it became like a three and D type Mm -hmm, of thing. mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, if you're, and the height, to be honest, basketball, I'm six, three. So it's like nowadays, you know, back then that was a perfect size for a point guard, even more than perfect. It was above average. Yeah. Growing up, it was like, okay, that's a great size for point guard. Nowadays, you have guys like Delano Banton, yeah, guy like six seven. Six, <laughs> I'm saying LeBron James is playing, the point guard. so it's like you have to work on your skill set because now it's like if you're under six five and you can't shoot, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, work. You have to be able to. So it's just about adjusting, accepting, adjusting, and just trying to stay ahead with the game and just be current with it because. If I wasn't a good defender or gave effort on defense or, you know, learned and studied how to play defense properly, or if I wasn't a decent shooter or solid, whatever the case may be, is, then mm-hmm. I wouldn't be on the floor because my yeah. athleticism is not where it used to be. It's not where I would want it to be, whatever the case may be. So I think a lot of people have to understand, like, what their role is and then try to be a star in their role. And mm-hmm. then in the season, work on these other skills and you can add it to your bag. But at the end of the day, if you like, if I made the NBA tomorrow, like there's already going to be a LeBron James on the team, a Dame mm-hmm. Lillard. It's like, where can you fit in? Like bring what you can and work on your sharpening your tools. Cause you never know, you might need them mm-hmm. at the same time. So you get to accept that there's other guys who get paid a lot of money to do certain things. You know, Nick Ward gets paid money to dominate in the paint. So yeah. it's like, I'm not going to be in the paint, dominating the paint because that's what he does. And you know, my job is to shoot threes. Like Nick Ward's not shooting threes. So it's all about that balance and understanding. Yeah, no, that's some great perspective, especially for, yeah, for, for young players nowadays, like learning to adapt your game and sort of have the mindset of 
being able to accept your role. And so I think that's a perfect segue into sort of your college journey here. So after prep school, you go to South Carolina and, and people don't know that's of the SEC. So big time conference. And so as a freshman and sophomore, you have some pretty solid seasons being a younger player. You put up about 10, 10 to 11 points a game, getting a lot of minutes, shooting the ball pretty well. And then as a junior, you have this kind of role change where you go from a starter to a six man, because I believe you guys had some guys coming in like PJ Dozier, right? So, so given the first, the success in your first two seasons, was it hard to make that transition to a bench role or how, how was that process for you? Again, it wasn't hard in the sense where I was going to be difficult about it. Yeah. Obviously, it's hard. It's kind of like you feel like you're being demoted and everything yeah. like that. You just feel like, wow, I put in all this work. I've been doing my thing. You have someone that's coming in that's a freshman. But I didn't have that ego. I don't know how to explain it. I've always yeah, been yeah. like greater good. I always looked at it, you know, glass half full, not empty in a sense where it's like, okay, now I'm playing with the second unit. So that means I'm not really going to be on the court with the, with Cinderia Stormwell, mm -hmm. with the guys that need the ball in their hands. So now it's actually more of an opportunity for me to get my game off because now I'm leading the second unit and I get to be the head of the snake on defense and I get to, and I'm going to end up playing the same amount of minutes anyways. Mm -hmm. So all that's really changing is the fact that my name's not being called in the starting introduction. Like, so once you get over that kind of aspect and like just getting more mature in the game of basketball and understanding like, okay, I'm still a vital part of the team. And, you know, if I need to be moved to this part so that this, this engine can work, then that's what I got to do. So like, it's one of those things where I was in my head for like one day and I was just like, really? Like, what? Like, what did I, did I do something wrong? Like, did it? And then the, when I, the more I spoke to my head coach, Frank, about it, and we, I, I got some understanding and I understood like how to make the most of it. And it ended up working because I ended up getting six man of the year, yeah. which is not even a goal that I had in mind. It was just like, I want to be the best. I'm, a, I'm the first one off the bench. I got to be the best for my team to help them be successful. I can't mope around and be like, dang, I didn't start again today because then that affects our overall chances mm -hmm. of winning. And that makes me look even worse. So it was one of those things where I just had to just hug it. Like, you know, like I always had to put the punches, whether it's because of politics, whether it's because of unfortunate events and scenarios. I always just try to just roll with the cards that I'm dealt with or roll with the punches, as they say. So that was just another instance of that. Yeah, no, and it's, yeah, just doing, once again, my free research on you is cool to see like uh, Coach Martin, like talk about you after the year when you won six man of the year, the SEC. And he sort of talked about how, it wasn't like a conversation at the beginning of the season where it's like, Dwayne, we're going to make you six man of the year. It was just sort of, this is how he's, this is when he's going to come into the game. Now he's not going to be starting and to see you sort of just accept that role with enthusiasm and run with it. I think it's sort of, yeah, you can totally see that in your approach to how you like, how you've been with the bandit. So it's, it's really dope to hear you talk about that. Yeah, I think I've always been conditioned like that. Just like playing, like you said, I always played senior in high school or like, when I was younger, playing with Team Canada or Team Ontario, I was being younger. So I've I've experienced situations where I never got to play or I was on the bench because I was the younger person or just because guys were just more superior or bigger or better. So I've always been in situations where I've kind of felt like I've been knocked down. I had to prove myself. Mm -hmm. But if you trust your worth ethic and you trust like everything that you believe in in terms of how you operate and on and off the court, then everything will fall into place. So that's kind of like how I you know, chose to remain mm -hmm. optimistic. And it continues to happen to this yeah. day. Playing the G League, this is the first year I was starting almost every game. Playing yeah. a lot of the second year, it's like we have a whole bunch of NBA guys now. I'm not playing no more. And it's not yeah. because I did anything wrong. It's just right. because of how the system works. So no matter where I go, that's how I carry myself. Whether I know that we had some games this year where I didn't play like the whole third quarter, I ended up playing right. like the whole Elam, and then I had the game winner. So it's like 
you know, my point of that is to say if I was to ever get mentally knocked out or checked out because I'm like, oh, I'm not playing or I'm not playing as much as I should be or I, I wish I played more. Or I should. I should. I should. I should. That's like the selfish mentality. Then it's hard for you to focus on doing what you have to do when your name is called, when your number is called. So you always want to stay focused and just be, you know, happy and be thankful, especially after being hurt. Like yeah. for me to be back in the league, everything's just a blessing. I'm just very fortunate to play. So in that situation, I'm like, it could be worse. Like Frank could have said, we're cutting you. We're taking your scholarship away. <laughs> and I'll give you the keys to the second unit and come off the bench. So yeah. as long as I have some life, I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so during like I playing in the SEC, like that's, that's a crazy conference. Met a lot of talent. Kentucky's obviously in that conference. So you being a three and D guy and a top defender on most teams you've been on, I know. So I know, I think you cross paths with guys like that, that Kentucky team with De'Aaron Fox, Diallo, Malik Monk and Adebayo. So what, what was it like? I assume you have to guard either Fox or Monk or one of their, one of their guys. So did you, you know, it's crazy. The craziest Kentucky team I guarded was the, was the platoon team where they had like five in five out. And you know, as well, they had Devin Booker coming off the bench. That's that how team. Cool. Wait, yeah. so wait, you played against that team. Yeah, yeah, that team was even better, man. Holy smokes! Okay, yeah, like Anthony Towns, everybody. That team was so good. Like, I was playing such great defense yeah. on, on, on Devin Booker. Like, my coach was just like, "Yo, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're, you're doing what, you're, what we asked you to yeah. do. He's just like, no, he's he's just that good." So that team, man, that team was crazy. I played against that team. Yeah, I played against the Jamal Murray one. Okay, my first yeah. Was the Julius Randle one. So I've an AD. Yeah. So play against like every that was like where i felt like every year they had like i'm like again like these guys have a monster squad again. <laughs> the harrison yeah. twins that one year uh tyler ulis and all them yeah that's some people yeah. it's been crazy so when so i want to focus on booker specifically because i yeah. think yeah his role he was also a six man and it, it's been it's been talked about a lot that you know the things that he's doing in the league now he didn't really show that at kentucky right he was more of a spot guy didn't run that much spread pick and roll didn't have really opportunity to create. So when you were playing against him, did you ever see flashes of what he could be in oh, the league? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could tell you it was different. I could tell you it was different. Just his mechanics, the way he was moving. He came yeah. off a lot of pin downs. He came off a lot of uh, screens to get into his middies and stuff. Like you said, when I was guarding him, it wasn't like no pick and roll yeah. stuff. It wasn't a whole bunch of stuff. But he would have a, a lot of like decisive moves of a score, like one, two dribble pull up or like one, two dribble yeah. count pull up. Like a lot of stuff that's like league stuff, you know, yeah. like in college, not a guy. Nowadays, it's a little different because basketball has changed. But back then, like, it wasn't a lot of people. Even, actually, I'm not going to lie. Even now, a lot of people don't really hit the mid-range effectively or or score inefficient movements. You know, a lot yeah. of people need a lot of dribbles. They need a lot of screens. But, yeah, he was doing a lot of, like, island work, which is, like, mid-post, just pull-ups for just like, whoa. Yeah. No, that's that, that's crazy. Yeah, that pro, that pro style of game. So, I guess, yeah, you could see that in him early. Um, yeah, and so... Just continuing with your college career here. So in 2017, you guys make the turn the NCAA tournament, and you have the schools, you and that crew of you, Dozier, Centarius Thornwell, and even Chris Silva, you guys get the school's first NCAA tournament victory in 44 years. So can you describe what that because I don't because not too many people on this planet get to go get to go make that final four run like you guys did, right? So can you talk about what, how that experience was and what made that group so special? I think what made it so special is you had guys like myself, Sundar Thurma, and Justin Mackey, who were kind of the bricks of the foundation. We had been there since the freshman year, yeah. my freshman year, um, when that was like Frank's like first real official recruiting class. So just to kind of be those guys there standing at the end was kind of cool because like 
we saw the vision. Well, whatever he was trying to build, a lot of guys came and went. Um, and we just kind of stuck with it and went through that process. And it was grueling, but it was also enough for us to, you know, grow in. So it's just like a cool experience. And then we had this whole slogan called Unfinished Business because we just wanted to go out on top. Yeah. And we felt like every year we had gotten better and better from my freshman year to mm -hmm. my sophomore year to my junior year. Like we're like considered almost a basketball school, not just a football school. Yeah. It's like our senior year where we kind of surprised a lot of people and not even surprised because we were beating a lot of teams throughout the year, like yeah. handed, whether it was Syracuse or Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, we were like really getting the job done. So people knew like, okay, these guys were a force to reckon with, but that was an amazing uh, experience and feeling also because it kind of feels similar to what I'm feeling now with the bandits in the sense where it's like near the conference play and near the last few uh, games of our season before yeah. the tournament, we kind of weren't winning that many games. And then we started like peaking or I started the middle, the middle part, we weren't winning that many games. Then we started peaking near the end. And we, I remember we had one game specifically in Florida where we had ended up losing by like a couple points. But I remember Frank like pulling me and Cinderius aside. He subbed us out early. Like the game, we could have, the game was kind of still at hand. Yeah. And he said, so this is like the last game of the season. We had just finished something like, you know, four out of the last five, whatever the case may be is. And he pulled us aside and was like, it was like a different type of like conversation. I forgot what it was, but it was, it was one of those like, we're ready. Like nice. it was just different. Cause like me and Cinderius, Cinderius and I were like, why is he taking this out? We could <laughs> win this game. But yeah. like, he was kind of like, like, I don't know how to explain it, but that's how we feel now with the bandits, where it's like things are clicking. Yeah. We're trying to understand why we're moving certain ways, why we're running this kind of offense. There's more reads. We're, like, on the same page. And that's kind of how it was. And it's crazy that he had that foresight because then we ended up making that push. And we kind of, like, just like I said, now we're, like, we peaked at the right time during the tournament. Yeah. I think it was a combination of people not believing in us and doubting us and saying we're Cinderella stories. And then also just starting to get our footing and just all the training that we have for however many months is coming into fruition and just like um, working together on the same page. Yeah, no, and you can totally see with like the like the way your the way you play and also some Darius, like you guys really had that identity, like your guys' identity imprinted on that team because you guys were you know played your asses off, were grinders, right? And so you could really tell like watching that team go through the go through the tournament, like you, like you really led those guys. So yeah, it was really dope to hear you talk about that. All right. So before we move on to your pro career, I wanted to just talk about that second round game against Duke. So you guys are the seven seed playing a two seed on a Duke team that includes Jason Tatum, Luke Kennard, Grayson Allen, and your team is down seven and a half before putting up 65 second half points to pull off that upset. Looking yeah. at your performance specifically, you scored 12 points in the second half, finished the game with 17, and you come up with a bunch of huge plays. And when, when I watch you with the Bandits now, something sort of a parallel that I, that I draw is that when I think about your game, the word that always comes to me is like, you're a gamer, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you may not necessarily score the most points or have the flashiest game, but when it's time, you always show up and make plays that contribute to winning. Can you talk about where that intangible part of your game comes from? I think it's just, I mean, I don't know, just staying ready, being prepared type of energy. I like to carry with myself and my game. It's just like I said, I like to train under duress. I like to take, mm -hmm. even yesterday, for example, Lex and I got some shots about the practice we usually do. And it's like we were working on, we were talking about some, like, what if you get a pass like this and it's, you got to hit this for the game and 
We're working on the most awkward type of footwork and yeah. shooting <laughs> mechanics and fadeaways from the corner three ball, like a different type of situations. I think all that kind of stuff like translates into like the creativity, but also the mm -hmm. confidence when it comes to clutch times, um, being able to play hard or make certain plays that maybe other people wouldn't be able to make or be afraid of the moment. I'm always accepting whatever comes. And I'd like to remember that it's just a game at the end of the day, like we're playing yeah. basketball. So it's just like, I miss whatever happens happens yeah. or you know I just want to make sure I could you know go to sleep at night laying my head down saying that I gave everything that I got I gave my whole 100 um so I don't know I think it's a combination of one like practicing a certain way under the rest training like very unusually yeah. but at the same time I also think it's just I don't know I like those moments like I like I like showing up for my guys like you said I like being the the steady you know, the 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 character out of nowhere, the X factor, yeah. like you said, I'm not always going to average 30 points or, you know, might not have the crazy highlight and one dunk, yeah. but I'm going to always do something that is going to be more meaningful and impactful when it comes to getting that W at the end of the day. Yeah, no, and you can see that, especially down the stretch of this bandit season, like your your game has really come alive and you've been really showing like some of those, those, clutch, those clutch moments that, yeah, that we were talking about. So... Yeah. So now moving on to your pro career. So you spent some time in Europe and Poland, but then after that you sign with the Raptors 905 of the NBA G league. And, you know, from all the stories and every, all, all the things I hear about the G league, like it sounds like a grind. Right. And yeah. so being in that situation and a question I've always had for G league guys is you're sort of walking this line of, I want to get, I want to show what I got so I can called up to the, to the NBA. Right. But then you also need to sort of, you know, still with it, play within team concepts at the same time, right? So being, having played in that, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, that was tough. That was tough because, like you said, one is a revolving door, so there's always two ways coming up, coming down. If they're in your position, like, there's been times where I scored, like, 25 points. We yeah. won the next game. Literally two days later, they're like, they're not dressing today because they're sending down this Raptor and this Raptor yeah. because coming off an injury and they're trying to work their rehab or conditioning back. So like you always got to be prepared for those type of situations, the revolving doors, the trades, the signs, the cuts. Um, and then it's just tough, like traveling and then, you know, playing so many games. You don't really practice that much either in the G yeah. League, kind of like the NBA. So if you're not a rotation player, then you got to make sure that you're finding gym time on your own, make sure you're, you know, getting your conditioning in because you don't want to get out of shape. You always want to stay ready, skills sharp. So that's like tough too. You have to like be self-disciplined when you're a pro. When you're a pro, no one's like holding your hand, telling you come to the gym, get these extra shots up or get this extra ball handling in or get these extra whatever one-on-ones in or pick and roll working, whatever the case may be is like, you have to do it all on your own. Lifting is not mandatory. So if you want to like continue to be strong and be proactive about your body, like you have to do it on your own, you know? So it's just like, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned because yeah. in university, coming from university, where it's like everything is catered to you on a schedule, mm -hmm. spoiled as athletes, especially D1 athletes. And it's like, you know, everything is just catered to you. You know where you got to be at 2 p.m., at 6 p.m. and have this study hall and, you know, your food for you to make it so easy for you to focus on your sport. And it's like when you're a pro, it's like life happens. You got to still be able to keep your sport yeah. that priority. So that was probably the biggest challenge for me. Um, and, and like you said, it was still fun though, getting a chance to play in front of my family and friends, yeah. uh, playing in my hometown for my hometown. And then the Raptors in the 905 probably have one of the best situations in terms of like Toronto is only 45 minutes from whatever saga. So mm -hmm. we're right there. So we get to share the same facilities. We get to use the OVO center sometimes. Yeah. Um, just being around the Raptors. I got a chance to go to the parade last year. They won. Unreal. Uh, Jay Lloyd and uh, yeah. Chris Boucher. 
team. So getting to be a part of that whole experience was awesome and dope. Um, so it was definitely a lot of uh, benefits to playing in the G League, especially yeah. like it, it gave me a place too where I came from Poland, where I was like less confident because of my situation out there. It just didn't work out. Wasn't yeah. getting paid on time. A whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, language barrier, whatever you, all the nightmares you hear from playing overseas. Yeah. Coming back and then playing in the G League and being successful my first season, it gave me that sense of like reassuring uh, pride and and I guess confidence. I like yo, you you could play here, you belong here. Like you 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 you're not only being successful but you're thriving here. You belong. Yeah. Um, that was kind of cool because I came from Poland like ready to not play basketball ever again. I was like, man, this is this is what I got to deal with. I don't want to play no yeah. more. So, <laughs> kinda cool to experience that. Yeah. So in, in watching some of your, like you mentioned, you put up some 25 point performances for, for the nine Oh five and just watching some of your highlights, like you showed like some off the dribble stuff, right. Some playmaking that we, that, that was sort of, you know, a, a new part of your game that, that we saw that we didn't really see as much at, at Carolina. Right. So can you just talk about what, I, I know you guys didn't practice a lot, but how was the Raptors coaching staff, right? Because I, I know like within the organization, they're pretty, development focused right so can you sort of speak to that so i think that's what it was i had a very close relationship with uh this guy named ryan schmidt who's actually just joined the nba for coaching now but he was my coach with uh the honey badgers um when i played for them previously in the cbl but that was someone that i mean i walked in with him like summers with him my best friend mccall but also just doing conditioning every day running and then just and that started in the summer in the off season so it carried over to this season before the season started but i was in the gym with him every day working on different stuff so to answer your question i think that's what kind of contributed to me being able to do that kind of stuff one because the coaches knew i was working with ryan i think he was also fighting for me letting you know the coaching staff know like hey we have someone here who works hard who's able and capable we just got to give him the opportunity and the chance mm -hmm. so having him on my side was tremendous because i was able to really showcase myself but like you said, it's, I don't know. I think because the NBA game, it's a bigger court. Like right. it's, it's all pick and roll type of stuff. Mm -hmm. so, I don't know. Being a guard, I was just able to showcase myself more, show that I could dribble the ball, show I could be in pick and roll situations. And like I said, I don't know if it's because they see the work that me and him were doing, so they, they allowed it or believed it or encouraged it. But I've always been on other teams where it's like I, I'm capable, and it's just like I'm just not. I'm never really in those situations, like certain plays, because I shoot the ball at a high level. Yeah. Call for me to be a decoy. They call for me to be in the corner. They call for me to do this. But sometimes, like the other day, Kyle mentioned it and was like, "Yo, in the pick and roll, you have the highest success rate. So like, yeah. we need to give you the ball in the pick and roll." And I'm like, "I, I like, I'm ready whenever you guys are." Yeah. So that's kind of always how I felt on certain teams, where it's just like I like we talked about it earlier. Just be a star in my own role. They yeah. want me to just do that in the third. But if they need me to, I can and will. I can handle the ball. I will make the right reads. Like, that's just how I feel about um, the game. And when it comes down to it, like I told you, it's just all about the work. Like, yeah. for me to be successful and be trusted in those situations, I have to continue to put the work in. So if it wasn't for Ryan Schmidt, who, like I said, he was in the gym with me hours and hours after, before, game, practices, you yeah. name it. I think that's all what contributed to that. Yeah, that's that's some insight that yeah people don't get to hear unless you're actually in it. So that's amazing sort of detail that you provided there. And so I think we I don't think it's we could tell your story really without talking about sort of your injuries that you went through in in around 2020, right? So COVID hits, the G League season gets suspended, and the CEBL is able to put together uh, like a sort of summer tournament to keep you guys playing. And you're with the Hamilton Honey Badgers at the time. And you have this injury where you tear your, your left Achilles, I believe. Yeah. So for any Hooper, like the Achilles is one of the most difficult injuries. And for a lot of guys, it could be a career ender, right? 
And what I didn't know about you is you didn't tear it. Just, you didn't have one Achilles injury, right? You came back and about a week after you were cleared to play five on five, you, was it the same Achilles you tore or did you, was it the other one? So what happened was I initially tore my Achilles and my calf. Yeah. So I tore, it just rolled all the way up. And then I, although I was fortunate to get surgery on my, on my Achilles, like my calf, I wasn't able to get surgery on there. So it was a lot of like, affirmation it wasn't as strong as the other calf and it was yeah. trying to do more than it should have so yeah i got clear literally like the week or two after i was playing fives i had been on my in like the seventh or eighth month of uh my post-surgery and then yeah it happened just playing pickup after my workout um and it was like doing nothing crazy like a similar movement and yeah. i was just like man this is crazy because i already had heard everybody say well he'd be the same yeah. is he back like you said, the Achilles is one of the worst injuries. He didn't just do his Achilles, he did his calf as well. So yeah. he'll never play. He won't be as athletic. He won't do that. He should just retire. He should focus on this. I have family telling me, like, yo, what's next? Like, <laughs> basketball's not it right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I had just kind of doubt in a lot of directions. But at the same time, I kept the faith and I had like some friends in the basketball yeah. world the community and people on my side for sure. But at the same time, I definitely felt like the walls closing in the second time when I partially tore, especially yeah. because. Uh, the surgeon was like, yo, we could give you surgery again, but then you're just going to be out for another year. So yeah. he was like, you might as well just get PRP and just try to naturally heal it this time. And yeah. I was like, man, if he's saying that's going to be quicker, then I'll probably do it. Yeah. Um, and I ended up doing that. But that was even in itself, that was a grind, the journey just to continue to rehab and try to strength up. And for me, it was more so mental than it became physical. Yeah. Now my body was really like, we don't want to get hurt again. We're trying to avoid this feeling. So it was definitely a process. Like it was a huge process. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It was definitely like the worst basketball moment in my career, probably like yeah. worst in life. So like, it's just so cool for me to be able to be on the other side of it. And I'm still like working on that journey of trying to yeah. be the best and get back to the player I used to be or be better. But at the same time, like I told you earlier, man, it's just like for me to step my two feet onto the court every game, like, mm -hmm. For example, I think we played Niagara, and that's where it happened. It happened in the bubble yeah. in the Meridian yeah. Center. I didn't even know that. Like, I was <laughs> just, like, tuned into the game and ready for the game and yeah. excited because I had some family come in, driving from Toronto. We hadn't played in Ontario in a while. So I was just happy to, to you know, go to that game or whatever. I think before we had the game in Branson, but I had some family come out yeah. to Niagara. And I was so worried about the game. And after the game, we won and I hit the shot and everything. Like, I remember someone reminded me, like, yo, isn't this crazy? Like, how life works. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, this is the same court that almost ended your career. Yeah. I'm like, yo, this is <laughs> the bubble was. And all, like, I got emotional and I was just yeah. like, crazy. So for me, like I said, it's just a blessing to be able to play healthy basketball nowadays. So I'm yeah. just happy. But yeah, that was a crazy injury. And I would not recommend anyone go yeah. through that. <laughs> but yeah. being able to show people, that you could like fight through adversity has been cool. Being able to get therapy, talk about it, mental health. And I also have a brother who plays basketball. He told yeah. ACL uh, my very so having him to Leon was big as well because he would tell me it's gonna be good days, bad days, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. My friend Tyler is going through an injury as well. Yeah. Um, Dwight Powell who's in the NBA, he had like torn his Achilles like literally three or four months before me. So he was able to give me some advice and insight on what to expect and how to get through it. So I had a lot of people in the community that were looking out and helping out. And I think that's why I'm here, you know, playing again today. Yeah. Um, and I read about how during that time when you were sort of, you sort of took a step back from basketball during your recovery and you were doing some sports broadcasting for the 905 as well. Can you talk about that experience? 
Yeah, I went to school for that. South Carolina, yeah. I actually went to school for journalism and broadcast and PR and all that kind of stuff. Film, I love film. But yeah. um, it was kind of like, yeah, once the second injury happened, it was just looking very grim. And I was like, I need to start. I can't just go to rehab every day and not do anything. I need to find an escape. I need to just, you know, have some progression. I need to make use of the contacts that I've I've been making yeah. and through networking because of my basketball ability. And, you know, I was able to do that. I was able to kind of just work towards having an opportunity to to broadcast for the radio for the Raptors down to five. I got to do it with Ben Shulman, who's Dan Shulman's son. And um, he helped me and tremendously in, in showing me the ropes. And it was such a fun experience. I loved it. It was cool. It was weird because I'm commentating play-by-play for these games or doing color commentary for these games. And, uh, like, for example, G, Georgie was yeah. – uh, he was on um, the Skyhawks and yep. he's playing against the Raptors nine on five. So I'm calling these games with him and Cat Barber. I'm like, yo, I was just playing against these guys <laughs> a year ago, or the case may be. So it's just like kind of, it was weird. It was cool to commentate, but at the same time, like, man, I should just be on the court right yeah. now. Like, yeah, yeah. So, but it was also a great vibe just to, to show myself what I want to do when I'm done playing basketball in my post career. Um, I definitely want to be able to try and get into media and just yeah. do broadcasting full time. So that was a cool experience. And it was a team that I played for. So on yeah. top of them to have me back in that capacity, just like kind of just was a, a full circle moment. Yeah, no. Uh, so we can look forward to seeing you on the 905 call yeah. or the Raptors call when it's all said and done for you playing. Um, right. Yeah. So let's move now into sort of your CBL career, specifically your time with the Bandits. So you're a born and raised Ontario guy. So I have to ask, what made you want to come all the way out to Vancouver? I mean, we talked about it before, but is, if we're being completely honest, it's Kyle Julius. That's the first yeah. thing. Um, he hit me up pretty early and he showed me his interest, his belief in me. Um, and, you know, other teams kind of hit me up, but it was mainly him that was just, just in contact with me on a regular yeah. basis. And I had, I was playing for this team called Subbury Five in the NBL, just trying mm-hmm. to, rehab and work myself back and he was watching my games and giving me advice and just telling me how much I could be an intricate part of the team mm-hmm. um and like I said because of all that history that we had like it, it wasn't a question or a matter of like if I should do it or not because yeah. if, if I know he's behind me believing me full throttle and this is especially at a time where I wasn't as confident in my body and myself and right. my the play that I was now. And he was already giving me that much confidence then by telling me how much he believed in me and how much we, we can go just go win this thing. And he wants me to help be a part of building the core and the team and the defense, everything, like all that kind of stuff just yeah. made me really feel involved. And um, I don't know. I also just wanted to, to just win a championship. I haven't won a championship yeah. as long. Um, I've never been to the West Coast like that. Like I told you, I've been to yeah. Camp Luke before. So just I wanted to kind of start new. I just felt like I'm starting over. I'm coming back from an injury. I don't want to play for a team in Ontario. I want to play for a team somewhere else. I wanted to get a whole new vibe, whole new uh, place to kind of reset my mind. And I think that's what it was. Yeah. And like I said, I had certain people, like whether it was Alex that I've known, played against before or been around before. Guys like Malcolm DeVivier that I've yeah. played with, um, that I'm close friends with. Um, so there's like a lot of like other factors, Junior Kadugan being someone I've always looked up to as a big bro, being one of the player coaches and being coaches. So there were so many like connective tissues to why I also wanted to come out here. Um, but yeah, it has to be Kyle Julius first, just like my belief in him and what he's done for me and my family since I've known him. Like there's no reason why I wouldn't repay that, yeah. especially him continuing to give me an opportunity to play again. Yeah. So yeah. So Kyle Julius, he's, he's the, the recruiting man. That's, that's dope to hear that, that, that 
storied past has brought you guys back together. That's awesome. Um, and so like we've talked about earlier, so you guys have had an up and down season and, but you guys are peaking right now, as you said. So was there sort of a moment or a specific game where you guys were like, oh, okay, like we've figured it out. Like we have an identity here now, or was it just sort of a slow build up throughout the season? I think that's a, like, it's a good question because I think it's a bit of both. Cause there's, there's, there will always be games where even if we would lose, like, like I told you, we come back on 25. Yeah. And we like, wow, if we just erased that first quarter, we would have won the game. We beat this team by a lot in the second half or if we were to erase, and then it's just like, so for me, it was like moments in time where it's like, if we just put together these runs like back to back or if we all get on the same page on a more consistent basis. Um, so I think it was like a slow build, but then I also feel like there was a definitive game recently, um, like prior to Ottawa. It was like, has to be a prior to Ottawa. Was it, was it, was it the Winnipeg game? It might've been the Winnipeg game. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that, yeah. that was yeah. a game where you guys lost. But yeah. I, I was there and I watched and I was like, I walked away from that game being like, okay, like there's definitely, they're definitely figuring it out here. And then just that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Because it, like you yeah. said, we, we've lost to Winnipeg so many times. So yeah. it was like, okay, this one just felt a little different. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was definitely one of the, I just know it was in that stretch where it was like, but like, again, it's hard to say because we like, I know people will find it hard to believe, but we preach the same thing every yeah. day. Like, yeah. We preach that like, whether we lost three in a row or one three in a row, we've we've had the same mindset where it's like we're gonna put in work every day. We made a commitment to each other for the summer. Mm-hmm. We're, gonna, we're gonna get this done. So like, I know people think what they want to think, but like in a house, like we're so connected and we're so together. Like obviously, it sucks to lose, but we've never once put doubt in ourselves and thought yeah. like oh, we're not gonna win this thing or nah, we're gonna kick in the front door. And we've always had that same mentality if we've won three games or lost three games. Yeah, and. You guys play like a style, I guess, with two bigs that are scorers, right? And yeah. that's that's not super common in the game nowadays, right? With where it's more five, four guards, one big, space and pace, up tempo, right? So was that for a lot of you guys, especially being more of a new group together, was that a hard adjustment to make throughout the year? I don't think it was because, well, for me personally, it wasn't because I've always been used to playing with two bigs, yeah. especially from South Carolina. We've always had like Chris Silva. Right. And then we always had like another big down there with him, but um, and that was also inside out basketball. So I'm actually a fan of inside out basketball. I feel like I love playing on teams with bigs like Nick Ward right. because like when they eat down there in the paint, then you have to double. That's wide open shots for me. That's just it just makes it easier on everybody else. Plus, with a high percentage shots, he's he's dunking it, or you know, I think he yeah. led the league in field goal percentages because he works in the paint. So and then it creates fouls and it creates mismatches. It's just such a threat. Yeah. When you have a rim presence, and I think that as a fan of the game growing, of course, I love all these skilled bigs that can shoot threes and who can stretch the floor and dribble yeah. the ball at guards. I just think it's such a lost art, and you see the dominance of what it is to have a guy who could just go to work in the post down yeah. low. You can throw the ball to him. You don't got to run no offense. Go get a bucket, and he'll put pressure on the rim every time. So I don't think it was an adjustment. And then, two, we also did have a style of small ball where it's like we could put Georgia at the five if mm-hmm. Nick is – yeah. The foul or whatever, and then we have like Malcolm at the four, myself yeah. at the four, or a guy like Shaq Keith at the four, those mm-hmm. type of players who, like, like you said, and now today's game, they're like four men, but like, you know, Malcolm yeah. and I are both six two, six <laughs> playing the four, but it works sometimes. So it just depends on the style you're trying to play and how to read the game. And that's why it's like basketball is a game of chess sometimes. Like, you're always trying to either match up to the opponent and have your opponent try to match up to you. Yeah. 
And looking at your game specifically, like down the stretch as the team has started to peak, like it seems like your game from the start of the season to now has really sort of come alive here in terms of it looks like you're a lot more comfortable, right? Like making plays off the dribble, taking yeah. more shots. So can you just, is that a product of you gaining more confidence coming back from that injury? Or is it a combination of just the team feeling more gelled together? So can you just speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's both. I think you said it right there. I think it's a combination of one, just me getting mentally back to who I am, just not thinking about my foot no more, not yeah. thinking about my my whatever, just playing freely, hooping with a free mind, and just play, being at peace, just being back on the court. And then also the work ethic that we put in, we do a lot of skill development. We have a lot of practice here. Like Kyle does a great job making sure that we take care of each other and take care of ourselves. A lot of treatment, a lot of things like that. It's like our treatment team is amazing. Our whole coaching staff is amazing. Like anybody wants to stay and get some extra work in, who wants to come early or watch some extra film. We have guys that do great jobs when it comes to that in that department. So I think it's a combination of those two things just becoming a habit because I've been here for now like two yeah. months or, so, or whatever. And then three, I also think, uh it's like i said like it was tough man there's like there was games where i was playing a lot of games where i wasn't yeah. playing a lot. like we had so many guards throughout this like yeah. summer that it's just <laughs> like being real with you like again you want to stay ready but when it's hard when you're <laughs> in a consistent rotation yeah. you might start this game might not play this game so i think now that our team is like near the end of the season and we kind of like everybody knows their roles we kind of have like a set rotation like there's not like plugging in, plugging out that much stuff. So I think that also like contributes to the reason why everybody, I don't even think just myself. Like I think there's a lot of other guys that are contributing here and there, not just out, like outside of like, it's always been Nick and Georgie like going to work, but, and then having some guys here and there, but now I feel like it's more consistently the other guys just yeah. trying to help Georgie and Nick and carry that load. But I think it's just because there's more guys understanding, like you said, we're gelling, but we're understanding our roles, yeah. you know, what we're all capable of. That's another thing too. Like y'all think Nick Ward never played with me before in his life. So yep. he doesn't know what I can do on the court. <laughs> other guys don't, I don't know what they can you know. So it's just yeah. us loving each other too. And I just think it's just a, a combination of all those things working in, in, in unison together. Yeah, no, you said it. No, I'm so excited to watch you guys in the playoffs. Cause I've seen, I've been watching your games and you know, and I can, you can see it on the floor, like with the comfort and the, the so the continuity building and building with each game so it's been really sick to see you guys and i got so that sort of concludes the end of our cebl segment so i got one more basketball question and right. that's that's just about so i know you've played um you have your experience with uh being a part of the canadian men's national team right which is a badge of honor for any canadian hooper right and you i believe that you played on some of the, the the sort of the in some qualifying tournaments, correct? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so can you just talk about what that experience is like, just being a Canadian guy, being able to rep the the, the Maple Leaf like that? Yeah, I mean, it, there's no better feeling. It's very patriotic, but at the same time, it's just cool because it's like you're repaying your country. I mean, yeah. my whole family is Jamaican. I think I'm the first generation born Canadian in my country. Yeah. I mean, in my immediate family, in my or my family in general. So it's just like. Um, having the opportunity to, you know, have my family come from Jamaica, yeah. come to Canada, be able to make a living, a successful living that they're able to provide for, you know, my family and yeah. the after, then get to play for Team Canada and represent that country that also helped my country. Just, I mean, I'll help my family find that peace and that, yeah. and that, and that opportunity is awesome. Like, there's no better feeling putting on that jersey, playing with high level guys. Mm -hmm making relationships and friendships, playing with yep. guys in other countries. Like I'm me and Connor Morgan, Connor Morgan's yep. a busy guy. Yep. 
like again like i'm me and him are great friends and it's like just that opportunity before that i probably never would have met him in my life so it's just being able to develop these relationships see other parts of the country and then represent the country is awesome like being able to know that oh i helped this team qualify for the world championship or world cup is cool oh i was on the team that helped them qualify to get to the olympics like whatever the case may be is always cool to just be a part of that pool of athletes to be able to represent canada um at a high level and i just think it's cool i wish one day i could play in the the olympics but if not i really feel like i've done a lot um i saw an interesting stat the other day about the most guys that played team canada games I'm, i'm definitely up there so it's just like it's cool. I've been playing for so long and to see where we've come from. And like, I remember when we, when I first played for team Canada, it was like, we got to give our jerseys back. Like <laughs> we got like one t-shirt and then now it's like, you know, the, all the sponsorships and yeah. guys are flying private and we're practicing and we have gear and we get shoes and it's like, <laughs> just to see like where it came from. Um, it's been so cool to just be a part of that process. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to sort of end our basketball part of the show here. And so before we go, Dwayne, you've given some great answers, but before, I want to quickly just do a rapid fire question segment with you. All right. So we got some rapid, some, just some fun questions here. So I'm a big food guy, big foodie growing up. You being from the GTA, being a Jamaican Canadian, I know I, I'd assume that like, you know, your food to some degree as well. Yeah. So give me one meal that reminds you of home. One meal that reminds you of, of home. Well, I ain't gonna lie, it's probably gonna be some three cheese gnocchi because I love okay. love pasta. And my mom always says like I'm fake Italian. She's like, girl, I even <laughs> Italian, so probably be some three cheese gnocchi or something like that. Nice, nice. Yeah, dude, that that's uh, that chew that chewiness is is can't beat yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I know you're a big movie buff. Uh, you have your an IG an IG page and yeah. uh, what's it called? Scenes DMs with yeah, you and DMs. you and Kyle. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. So for everyone listening, make sure you give them a follow and listen to his content. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So give me one movie and one series that you've watched recently and thought, yo, this is, this is sick. Oh, okay. Well, one series, the bear, I just finished the season two of the bear. Yes, sir. Dude, I was just gonna, I was going to say like, I hope you watch the bear, man. That's oh, I love that. Yeah, show. Me, me and my family watch that is unreal. Man. I love it. Um, I think, you know, a lot of these, I don't know. I just love the high intensity of being in a kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of chaos. That's like kind of like beautiful chaos that goes into building into making a restaurant effective. It's kind of cool. It's kind of like, you know, being a basketball player and seeing the inner workings of how the film guys work and everybody works in the stressful environment yeah. and just that onto the screen, how it's shot is so cool. Cause it's like dramatic, but it's funny at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Like different stories. I don't know. It's really cool, but that's probably recently. Cause I literally just finished season two of that, like a couple of days ago. Um, and then a movie. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I just, I, I probably a good movie. I just watched Mission Impossible, which was really good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I watched Oppenheimer and Barbie and all that stuff, but I probably say Mission Impossible is probably one of the better movies that I just recently watched. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. Sounds good. Yeah. Everyone, watch, watch the Bear, man. I, it's one of probably my favorite show. Unreal. And last question for the show. So, who is one Vancouver Bandit that you think is would be great to have on the show, and you have to help me try to get them on here. Uh um <laughs> i want to say nick ward so bad okay right? yeah i can help you get that done just because i want you to ask him why he never uses his right hand yeah, yeah. <laughs> ask him that you can say i said it hey yeah. ask him why he lets chad potham bust his ass every time <laughs> <laughs> 
Ask him who the Nick Ward stopper is. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll ask him, I'll ask him about his Nick free throws Ward. too, man. Yeah, 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 free throws, please. <laughs> ask him about his free throws. Ask him if he'll just take my advice and start shooting the right-handed and just start. Oh, okay. <laughs> As a little Tristan Thompson, just switch your form. Yeah, okay. Nice. He'll be a really good guy. Like, he has, like, a, he's come from a, he's a great background, just being from yeah. Ohio and stuff, and then just going to Michigan State. Like, his stories are incredible, and the people he knows and, like, what he's done to get to where he's gotten to is crazy. Yeah. Okay, last question. No, I got one more question. I lied. And I have to know this because, oh, all right. So I'm the biggest Andrew Wiggins fan. Okay. And so I just want to know what, and I think you're, you said you were friends with them, correct? Or you uh, were? Yeah, we on the same okay. Stuff, yeah. So why? So I guess my question is, is he, do you think it's fair the criticism he got in Minnesota compared to now? Because I was always a believer. And I had to try tell people that when he got to Golden State, he was going to pop off. But what do you think it is about him from a person personality standpoint that people think like, yo, he, he, like, why isn't he going as hard as he could? I honestly think it just contributes to what I told you earlier in the interview about the difference between Canadians and Americans. Yeah. Like Andrew doesn't wear it on his chest, yeah. his, what he can do and his abilities, because he's a laid back guy. Like yeah. he's a great, he's a great guy. Like yeah. he, that's my, he's my friend. Like he's cool as hell. Like. He's laid back. He plays video games. Like he loves his dogs. He loves yeah. his family. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's like a party, party, rah, rah, rah. Like that's just not him. So he's never been that way. Like he's always been like a reserve. I want to say shy, but like even like I said, I played on the same team with him when we were like eight, seven, nine yeah. years old. He's always just been like a chill guy, quiet yeah. guy. We never thought what's wrong with this guy. It's just that's just how he is. And especially in practices, sometimes he's just be chilling. Like yeah. I think because he's so good. Yeah. Um, but like people don't understand, he puts the work in. Don't like yeah. it's not like he doesn't put the work in just because somebody else doesn't look like how you expect them to look. I think that's all it is. But it's just it's an interesting argument. I've always defended him my whole life yeah. because I'm just like, bro. Do you guys realize he's only 28 years old and he's accomplished whatever he's accomplished? Like yeah, he's a yeah. thousand point scorer. I think I've read somewhere that he scored more points than Kawhi Leonard. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly is is on a great trajectory. It's just that people think that one, he's not as bold, flashy. He's not no yeah. drama. He's not celebrating every play. Yeah. He's not like, yeah, he was signed to Adidas. Yeah, he has a shoe deal now, but he's still not like in your face about yeah. certain things. He doesn't post on Instagram yeah. on a consistent basis. So I think all those things contribute to like why people think that he's like not what he should be. Yeah. But yeah, he got a lot of hype. And in my opinion, he lived up to it. I don't know what the issue yeah. is. Like, yeah. Now he contributed in Minnesota. Like, I don't know. I feel like he was playing well. He averaged like what, 18, 20 sometimes. Yeah. Yeah the game i don't understand what the issue is um i don't know i don't know i think that like you said he joined the team where he was able to kind of thrive and mm -hmm. because he had no pressure on him i think he does great in situations where he doesn't have to be the number one guy yeah but he can do a lot of other things at a high level yeah. and I think that um golden state showed that and all the andrew wiggins slander should always be killed and i'll always defend it because at the end of the day i've seen him from when we were in St. Davis to whether he was at Vaughn Secondary School to Huntington Prep to when he went to Kansas yeah. to Minnesota to now. Like, I've seen him play at every level. And if he really wanted to, he could flip that switch and, and go to work and go crazy. But I think he just be – he's just so good. He'd just be chill. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you heard it here. No Andrew Wiggins slander on the hoop, on this podcast. So that concludes our show. Dwayne, thank you so much for having us. You gave us some awesome insight and it was really dope to get to know you. Uh, thank you for having me, man. It's been fun. I appreciate it. Yeah. Sure. And yeah, good luck. Good luck with the playoffs. And for anyone in Vancouver, check out the Bandits as they enter championship weekend here.